this is way more my vibe too. I am yeah. TV obsessed. I'm a member of the TV Academy. When it comes to series, I am in it to win it. And these first couple episodes, I was just like, dub TF, what is going on? It's the movie toasty show. Here for you. Dennis and Adam joke about orgasms and sweet movie reviews. We talk about TV too, right? I, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah! Hey everybody, welcome to episode 72 of Movie Toast. It's going to be a different episode this week. Uh, Movie Toaster Adam was feeling a bit under the weather, so uh, we have someone filling in for him. Actually, my wife. This is Movie movie Toaster Val, I guess, is what uh, your, your title earned this week. We'll, we'll go with, I don't know. This is my wife, Val. Hello everybody, here I am, the other half to Movie Toaster Dennis. <laughs> that she is. That she is. That was lame rolling out of that. I don't know why I fucking said it that way, but there's something we might be able to use later. I don't know. I should sound more excited. Hey, folks, this is my wife on the show this week. She's filling in for Adam. We're we're just going to keep it short and sweet, but we are still going to bring you a handful of reviews, and we're still going to bring you some WandaVision talk at the end. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, too, because this last episode was pretty intense. That was a That was a cool reveal. But before we get there, I think I'm just going to jump right into my first review of The Boys from Brazil. So this is a film I actually found on Peacock. It's one I've kind of been teasing for the last episode or two that I keep saying I was going to get to. Finally did it. And you know what, folks? Did not regret it all. So this is a film from the 70s that I'm now going to bring up the notes I should have had brought up in the first place. But I can carry on from here. The Boys from Brazil is starring Gregory Peck and Lawrence Olivier. It tells the story of a former Nazi hunter who's settled down in, in Europe. And he's been, he's been passed along a message from a Jewish man in South America who's been tracking Nazis, who escaped prison, who escaped getting caught after the uh, Nuremberg trials and stuff. And he's trying to track down some really, really bad folks who got away from any sort of punishment. Uh, well, he's trying to give this Nazi hunter a heads up. Hey, these are some really bad folks gathering down here. And he's just like, nah, who cares? I, I already knew they lived down there. What's the big deal? It's like, well, they're all in the same place. This is weird. Something's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of there. Otherwise, you're just going to be, they're going to kill you. They're going to find you and kill you. Did not heed the warning. So our, our young character we were introduced early on was killed by the guys he was observing, but not before getting a message out that Joseph Mengel is among these people. And this is this is a big deal. For those of you who know the history, he's a very horrific scientist who did horrible experiments on human beings. So the fact that he was down here meant something was going on. So the story jumps ahead to our Nazi hunter actually getting to South America. And this is when he's starting to try to track him down and see what what is going on. The title seems a little misleading, but trust me, we're, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> As we start catching up to these group of Nazis and trying to figure out what the plot is that's going on. There's the string of assassinations that seem to be unrelated to whatever this like experiment is happening, or at least up front, it seems like they're unrelated. Turns out there are these 94 men, 65 year old men that need to be murdered within a day of these specific dates that were given out over the next two years. And all of them have 
children that they their families adopted. And there's all these weird connections. Just like, why are they going all around the world killing all these 65-year-old men that all happen to have young boys that look the same, sound the same, and they have characteristics that are very similar, eerily, creepily similar. Comes to find out, Joseph Mengele has been making Hitler clones and sending them all over the world. And all of them are getting raised in the ideal environments to try to create another Hitler. Intense movie. Just, it was, it was... It was brutal, like it really over the top. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of it before, to be honest. And it was just kind of a random thing I found in Peacock. But I got to say, it actually holds up pretty well for the most part. The sound design was what it was kind of lacking for me because it did kind of... There's a few points where it's like, you know, they didn't get the highest quality take of something or the master copy must have deteriorated. So whatever we have in the streaming service isn't ideal, but that can be forgiven. The coverage is pretty cool. The sets were gorgeous, especially as they were traveling around uh, Brazil. The country is beautiful. The acting was awesome. I got to say, this was actually a really badass movie. This is something that totally could be made today. It's that kind of government intrigue stuff I really like. A little bit of military, a little bit of espionage, all kind of rolled into one. Leftover World War II sentiments, hunting Nazis. That's cool, too. It actually has a little bit of everything that I kind of like in this type of movie. And I was honestly surprised. Amazing performances by two Hollywood greats. If you haven't seen it, The Boys from Brazil is available on Peacock. And I'm giving that three slices. Solid watch. It's two hours long. So, you know, it'll take up a little time, but it's well worth a view. After that, though, here's a movie that... uh, my wife and I watched together. That was a review Adam had a while back. It's uh, Vivarium oh, streaming over on Hulu. Val, what was your initial impression? Or was there, I, I know I had mentioned that we had talked about it in the show before. And I, although it was enjoyed, there were some reservations with how it resolved. What was your selling point on it? What got you to want to watch it? I was in it to win it based on the premise alone and the contained thriller and the kind of mystery element of is like, what is this? Is what's happening? What's going on? And really going with the characters on that journey. Yeah, but absolutely. But act two, the end of act two. Yeah, it was rough. And for me, that's a do or die point for movies because I am more of a TV person. I love television and series. So when it comes to features, you really got to hook me. And I was there up until I felt like it became very stagnant. And then I'm like, okay, now I just feel like I'm stuck in this world with you. Which, I mean, I I guess that could be what they were aiming for. But it's like, they kind of drug that out, though, in the middle of the movie, right? Like, it, I feel like they sold us on the idea of what was going on. I was in it. I was there. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Especially the first, like you said, the first act hooked me. I was like, awesome. This is great. But then it kind of meandered in the middle. Like, it just kind of plateaued for a while. And when I thought it was picking up at the end, uh, we kind of we got shorted. We got the old Twilight Zone, Black Mirror treatment that I feel like, for a feature, wasn't deserving of that type of resolution. At least, if the outside force is going to win, then let's see a little more of the outside force, right? Or I want to... I need motivation. What's the world we're in? Yeah, let's get it. Let's get the wider frame of what actually went on. So it's it's sounding like we're going along with Adam's opinion of it, too. I I think we kind of fell into the same place of just middle of the road sci fi. It was intriguing. I mean, it was like the story was cool. Does it warrant a whole feature? Mm, 
no. if it had been a really tight short, like that could have rocked it in a good hour time frame. But I yeah. felt like we stretched it to a feature. And this is an example I feel like a writer or director had a lot of say and almost to the point where you become your own worst enemy because you do need those outside forces saying like, okay, this is dragging on from the rest of your producing team. But it is what it is. It could have been a dope Black Mirror episode that I'm all yeah. about. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's when you can not resolve the ending. And as an audience member, I don't feel cheated because that's what that is. I go into that knowing that's what I'm going to get. As a feature who just leaves me hanging, I felt robbed as an audience member and you do want your audience to feel something, but I don't think you wanted me to feel cheated. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt. There was no resolution. And then I kind of felt like, well, you just took my hour and 45 minutes or whatever that was. And I felt that last yeah. back in chunk. And I was like, well, okay. So then it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth after that. I just wasn't satisfied as an audience member. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. So if you hadn't got to it yet... Meh, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's still better stuff. It's not the worst Jesse Eisenberg movie I think that has been made, but uh, it's not the best either. So, <laughs> oh, shoot. Now, the, the next film I'm very excited for, I know it had been sitting on the list for a little too long now, I wish we got to it sooner, but being it's February, Black History Month, it's an awesome time to highlight a newer film and Chadwick Boseman's final film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. Uh, we we both watched this one together as well, and I had to say that it was an incredible experience. Awesome example of peak performance filmmaking, everyone firing on every cylinder in every department. Tells the story of a band from the, what is this, 1920s? Yeah, I like I 1912 wanna... almost. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, geez. That's right. Okay. We're, we're getting ready to record an, an, an album for Ma Rainey's band. It's... They've got this hot young trumpet player who he's kind of, he's been playing the sound they like in the dance halls and it's the stuff that makes the money. It's the stuff that gets attention. But the band leader, Ma Rainey, she's got her version. She has a very soulful, deep voice. This is, this is based on a actual performer. It is based on a true story. Oh, the same. Um, yes. And she, this is a woman who is known for not just her gravelly voice and how impactful and, just the tone she carried in her voice was something that echoed through many, many decades. Uh, the subject matter of some of her lyrics is also something of note in that there's a lot of women empowered through the types of lyrics that she used. She wasn't afraid of addressing sexuality as this is all very real. People feel these things. Why not talk about the things that get us excited? And she wasn't afraid to include that into her music. And even back then. So if you, if you think some of the lyrics and music you hear now are new <laughs> that's funny yeah she paved the way for the cardi b's and the megan the stallions for sure yeah and when if you're curious about the title ma rainey's black bottom it's referring to exactly what you think it is yeah. <laughs> double entendre too this is also referring to her version of the song to be recorded in the album and this is where what the setup for the film is the band's getting together to record this album it's a northern recording studio Two white guys clearly trying to make a buck off of this well-known Southern lady's ability. And there's a little bit of diva attitude here. You know, it's we, we know what we're worth, but the band has come ahead. They're starting to set up. The uh, recording studio manager keeps having to get reassured. Huh? Ma's coming. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're, uh, she'll be here. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting combination of characters. Chadwick Boseman's character. Now for this, uh, Levy. Excuse me. Okay. 
the the other kind of star of the band, uh, Levy, he has kind of arrived earlier, not before, trying to pick up on a girl or two walking down the block. But <laughs> he, he shows up the recordings too, and clearly he's he's pretty sure of himself. This is a guy who's... Uh, extremely confident, extremely talented, yes. and he knows it. Yes, very, very aware of it. The other guys in the band are, they're old hats at what they're doing. They know they're... They know their place in the band, but they also understand their value, too, where there's a little bit of give and take with Ma Rainey, portrayed by Viola Davis. Incredible, incredible performance in this film from her as well. It, it, it's all this symbiotic relationship. We all kind of get how it works. We'll tell people what they want to hear sometimes just to smooth things over. I feel like the band <laughs> was very submissive to the white man, per se, because we are dealing in the thick of the racism here, being in the 1912s. Yeah. And the record label, completely ran by all the white men, desperately need Ma Rainey because of her talent. And Ma Rainey has now leveraged this to a position where she can be a diva because she understands how much power and value and worth she has. But also at the same time, she's still a black woman living in these times experiencing all this racism. So this is a very interesting flip of power and control. Yeah. So you understand where her diva attitude is coming from. It's just not for the sake of being a diva. It's because she understands the power she is in and almost the gift that she's been given. And this is a way that she wields it back to the white man of asking for those cokes. Does she need it? No. Does she know she can get it? Absolutely. And she will do everything she can to make those white men know I know you need me. So if you want to get what you need out of me, you better give me what I need. And then another scene that went along with that that I really enjoyed was that the car accident out in front of the recording studio. At first, this police officer was really trying to hassle her because her nephew was driving her car with who we found out was her girlfriend with, uh, with her in the backseat. And they had hit another car driven by a white man. And of course, the police officer just starts leaning into the young black man who was driving the car. The recording studio manager hears the scuffle, comes out to find out this is his artist. This is what's holding her up to get getting her inside to record. Tells the police officer who she is, and he immediately changes his tune. I'm so sorry. Please excuse me. Uh, go right on ahead. We'll we'll take care of this. And profound impact. It, it was very telling just how much weight her name carries. That this isn't just this is not something to be taken lightly. She she was a celebrity still. And I feel like even in this 2021 culture we are living in, we are experiencing the exact same situations. Exactly. Um, with talent being targeted because of their color. And then soon to find out, oh, you know, this is a famous actor or, you know, who this person is. And all of a sudden the circumstances change. And it is, uh, I feel like a commentary to this is still a relevant problem happening and it's still happening. And that's why we are where we are. No, oh, absolutely. I, I will say going into it, I personally was not aware that this was a musical or a, a stage play. I will say it felt like that very fast. I just, there was something inside me that just screamed I could be watching this on a stage. Uh, there was a few acting things that kind of gave that away to me in the best possible way. I actually very much enjoyed the fact that I felt like I was kind of watching a play, but it's even more intimate in that we were getting these close-ups, we were getting the camera movements, and we were getting to watch the movement as the director and the cast wanted to dictate it to the audience. One of the little things that just stood out to me was when Levy, when Chadwick Boseman's character, he kept banging on the door in the recording room. Three or four times throughout the movie, he, he runs up to it and either kicks it or he hits it with his hand, trying to open it. And uh, once he finally does, kicks the door open, it's a door that leads nowhere. It's a breezeway. 
there's brick walls on every side. It's it very symbolic to the scene when it finally happens. And oh, it's such a powerful movie. There's so much subtext going on with Chadwick's character that every line has meaning, every action he does. And it really ties in beautifully to the ending and the gut-wrenching monologues. I mean, I've never been brought to tears so quickly and moved in such a beautiful piece that wasn't in a theater. Yeah. They were able to really capture that intimate connection with the audience very well and relate and you understand exactly what it's like to be in his shoes and it made it quite literally in his shoes very powerful (laughs) and just incredible um yeah that i i I was right there with you that it brought tears to my eyes as well i can't remember the last time where there was a monologue scene like that that it was able to strike a chord very powerful. The The nominations he's getting now posthumously, he deserves every single one awards. of them because them. The, especially for this film, this was clearly, this will be known as one of his greatest performances. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. It, and it was, it was still, it just hung with you afterwards too. And it didn't leave a sad feeling afterwards, just powerful. You felt like you were witnessing, you witnessed something moving and positive, positive. I don't know. What am I trying to say? It. I, I was glad that I got to experience this. Absolutely. And you know I what? wish I would have seen it sooner. <laughs> For sure. And going into it, I thought it was going to be a musical biopic type vibe. And that is not what it was. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of musicals. Yeah, I love Hamilton for sure. This is not a Hamilton. The characters aren't randomly breaking into song and dance. There's not these big elaborate performances. It is, there are performances which are extremely integral into the storyline and what's happening, but they are done in a way of they're recording a song so you get this beautiful performance. You're going to a venue and you're seeing this beautiful performance. It's not just here's a couple lines of dialogues and now we're going into this whole sing and dance thing. It's very much not that tone. And I really enjoyed that it wasn't that. It wasn't a huge biopic, a Forrest Gump where you're taking me on the journey of here's Ma Rainey from the beginning to the end. This was just a slice of life that was so impactful during this time for everybody involved. And to be just there to get a glimpse of it, I felt like what really made this movie what it was. Absolutely. It was a very strong, tight message that had beautiful performance elements, but it was very character-based driven which connected me to everybody involved. The And what really sealed the deal for me was how much the world sold you on where we were. The sets were spot on. I mean, it looks like a dingy, cheap recording studio when they're out in the city streets, the cars, that and the wardrobe, it just everything just looked so good. I love this type of time period stuff. And I love getting to see what... I mean, let's be honest, no, none of us know what the world looked like back then. So getting to see these little slices of life and trying to imagine what the world would have looked like uh, in this time period is always interesting to me. So I would love to work on a set like that one day and try to build build things from the time period, try to build things to as they should have looked like that. That's always really, really fascinating to me. And the camera work itself, I thought it was gorgeous cinematography. There was only a couple moments where I noticed the the CG they used to fill out the rest of the city it's there. It's glaring at you. But it's like, what? You're going to build a whole city? Like, I, I get why it was there. We also don't linger there too long. So I can it's forgivable. It. Yeah, exactly. The If anything, the only other set I really, really liked was that early on in the movie, we're seeing her tour in the South in a flashback. 
and we're walking up to one of the tents that they've set out up in the woods where she would do her shows. That was cool. Just there's another moment of that realization of it's not like they're touring around a bunch of big stages and stuff where they're going to be let in indoors to a bunch of people in the South. They, have they no created their own show and, and it was big. A lot of people turned out to see her, but that is not the focus of the story. Coming back to the recording studio itself and the vid that, yeah, very, very heavy movement that it takes. Right. It's, and Ma Rainey is the title character. Yes, she's heavily featured, but this isn't necessarily all of her story. This is Levy's story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's also just as much the other because we're we keep seeing these peaks into what this she I mean, to be frank, this woman's rather mysterious. She's no she's a big lofty star and you know, in the sense of what she could achieve at the in the time period. Because people know her name, people have heard her music. But she still has secrets. The fact that she has to keep her her girlfriend a secret where it was that got around, apparently a rumor, but it wasn't something, you know, you could necessarily broadcast. It's she has a certain presence in the room that is just she was you don't question she earns this or she's earned it. I mean, we've we, I guess we did kind of hash this over before, but every time she's in the frame, I can feel her power like her presence is she um she she's she steals some of the power away from levy when they're both on the frame together like you you can feel it although he's competing against her it's nothing compared to what she wields and that's what i i found interesting i can easily say ma rainey's black bottom is a four slicer for me that was an incredible experience i i think it deserves to be up on the shelf with the other greatest hits of movie toast this is something that should be viewed by all and it should be something that should be reviewed every once in a while just to just to remind you of some apex filmmaking and storytelling it was an incredible incredible experience cannot recommend it enough well um i think it's time to get to our our regular weekly bit here of a little bit of wandavision so those of you who haven't seen the episode uh, episode five go go ahead and skip this part glad to have you but those who want to join us, stick around. Um, this is uh, this is a good one. I was already getting more excited about the series, but this week really capped it off with that crazy cameo reveal. This is way more my vibe, too. I am yeah. TV obsessed. I'm a member of the TV Academy. When it comes to series, I am in it to win it. And these first couple episodes, I was just like, dub T F, what is going on? Oh, yeah. G- yeah. Give us your impact with just the first four really quick. What, what was your takeaway of... How the series started, where it's gone so far, and then lead us into where where we started in episode five. Well, at the beginning, I'm just like, okay, another Marvel-based series. I'm not a really big into the comic book scene, but yeah, I've seen the Avengers movies. I've seen Thor. I've seen Iron Man. I kind of get the vibe what's going on, but I'm not actually picking up on all those little nods when they're like mention a character or they might show a little something where Dennis is like, oh my God, this might be hinting towards this and having all the theorizing the entire episode. <laughs> Me, I'm just kind of like, okay, from a TV background, I'm just watching it and like, we're hitting the beats. We're getting this. This is the information. I have no idea what to do with this information because I don't know what you want me to do with it. I'm really not sure what I'm watching in the world that I'm in. And then it started to change course a little bit. But then it's a lot of me making up storylines in my head, too, of trying to make, well, maybe they're trying to do this. Maybe they're trying to do this. And then when they don't pay that off, I have this expectation set up. I'm almost let down, but shame on me because I'm the one that had the expectation. Yeah. And it's not until around episode 
four, I was like, oh, we introduced Kat Dunning's character, which huge fan of That her. was three. Three? That was three. That was three. Yeah. See, I don't even know because it's kind of like Pretty all over the place. Sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Because by four, she's already, we've already gone into the next, right? Oh, something like that. They're all, they are kind of bleeding together bleeding a little together. bit. But now getting into five, there's uh, there's some interesting things happening here because we've acknowledged Wanda's got a lot of control in the town. We're starting to put some of the pieces together. The fact that we have camera footage of Wanda stealing Vision's body. It's like, okay, she she's premeditated a certain amount of this, but there's still latent pieces that make it look like there's another force at play here. At least to me, it's like she cannot be doing all of this totally on her own. Because even whoever this Vision is, which I'm not totally convinced Vision's quote-unquote alive. Maybe this is a little bit of Vision's spirit as left within the psyche of Wanda, that taking his physical body, she can like put it in the bot uh what it, i think that she just has a cadaver of him walking around yeah, and she think, sees whatever she wants to see of it but yep. when we saw that glimpse of him with the eyes busted out like the end of his movie with, with, yeah because the the mind stone oh yeah ripped out was of his ripped head out of his and you just see this skull. lifeless terrifying skull oh. in the eyes and we see a glimpse of that i'm like oh my god is that what's really walking around the entire time ew because then we got that information saying yeah. Nine days ago, she stole his body. Yep. And it was like, oh, God. Okay, so this manufactured world is exactly that. Everything is manufactured. Now, the now speaking of manufacturing, I have another theory that stems out of this next piece from the episode. So Wanda's had the, had the babies, except they're not babies anymore now. They're 10-year-old boys. In the matter of how many days, they, they there's a scene where they have they can choose to Are they speed up it? their growth. Or is she doing it? Because she said, I she know did. it's, I know it's easy right. to change because oh, yeah, it's yeah. uncomfortable and hard to deal with these feelings and what's going on, but we have to process them and do this as a person. You can't just snap your fingers and become five years into the future to avoid what's happening now. So she did it once to get to age them out of being babies, but they were about to do it to themselves oh. later on in the movie and she stopped them. At least she had the sense that that's what they were about to try to do. Now, whether or not she had the ability to, I'm curious because she seemed to just convince them not to through her words. I don't think she has the power to stop. Or them. is that her convincing herself not? That's to true. Do no, that's true. That's true. That's the problem when you have something so powerful, like being like her. Anything is possible. So you do have that creative freedom to literally do whatever. And as an audience member, I'm going to buy it because she does possess the ability to do X, Y, Z. You can believe she, the fact that her power is based on the fact she can get your mind to believe whatever is going on, that it, it is your truth. It is the reality for you. That's what's crazy. We don't know how big she spread this or how much she's in this herself. To go back to the other thing I was going to bring up, the cultivating part, I'm starting to, or I have a little theory that what if this quick aging of the two boys and the fact that they were born is this all just wanda or is someone helping her kind of incubate a new set of mutants or a new set of superpowered children that can be used for nefarious reasons exactly uh to go back to my mefesto guess that i know is the hot rumor online that maybe he's egging this along to try to get to these children and use them as a weapon against the other mutants or in some attempt to try to reclaim the souls he once had from earth. It's a bit of a stretch. I know, but maybe I, although Wanda does seem to be wanting to just be living in this 
suburban housewife delusion of uh, everything's great. And two point five children she's in the like, yeah. I know it's not real. Let me have this delusion. Screw you. Leave me alone. Yeah, and she and she's full on with trying to manipulate the world around her to get to. She she doesn't care about hiding it anymore. To the point to where now she's using her powers in front of Agnes, and that upset Vision. That Vision knows isn't right, and the fact that Agnes didn't have a reaction was very telling to me. I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced Agnes wasn't a citizen of this town before. Everyone else I could see, like, they, they already lived there, and Wanda just pulled them in to her world. Agnes is the one to me that kind of seems like maybe she's not actually who she looks like she is. She's there on her own will. Yeah, she's definitely has something weird about her. And Catherine Hunt's rocking it over there in that role. Oh, yeah. Oh, she always kills it. She always kills it. But uh, yes, she this version of her is really cool because I feel like I've never seen Catherine Hahn play this character before. Typically. And she does. And then horrific. And then she does these unsettling things when she brings the when she when she finds the dead dog. It was very I loved I loved the way she made us feel. I'm enjoying the cast. Um, across yeah the oh absolutely Paul Bettany I love him as vision especially this version of vision that I feel like he's along the ride with us yes. and he's kind of only just getting fed this information he's for the, the first dark. time and oh here's the other thing uh, Agnes was describing or seemed to break out of the spell for a moment only after we learned from the other agent what it was like being under her control I think there was a symbiotic acknowledgement of like oh so everyone knows that it sucks being under Wanda's power. I better pretend like uh, I'm in pain too. So it looks like I'm. it was a tactic to blend in with the rest of the town. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction, not a confirmation that Wanda is torturing everyone. Yeah, I feel like she's very much aware of what's happening in this world. And she's just playing along with what goes on. And yes. she takes it. And she's like, yeah, that's messed up. That kid just aged five years. No, she, but the, even even that didn't happen. She had no, no reaction. No, she didn't. But she, you could see that she's like watching and observing it. And she's like. Oh, oh boys grow fast. Whatever. She, yeah. yeah, she just like sh- just, shrugs it, it off. Like, it ha, ha, ha. And that's what makes her character creepy to me. I love that stuff. I love it. I love it. But the big, the big reveal. We we had to have a little discussion just to iron out the explanation of exactly what we just saw. But it was it was huge. Peter Maximoff walks up to the house at the end Pietro. of the episode. Pietro, excuse me. And Quicksilver himself knocks on the door and says hello to his sister. But not the Pietro that we're supposed to have seen. This is from the X-Men universe. This is the Pietro from Days of Future Past. Technically, he's from the 70s. I mean, I guess this is the correct time period. Oh, no. We've, that's right. Sitcom is up in the now. 80s, late 80s, early 90s now. So, yeah. So, this isn't even the right time period for him. So, we've now, we've, we've crossed dimensions. The, this episode confirms the bridging of the gap between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the X-Men Universe that was formerly owned by Fox. Huge. Huge deal. Because even uh, Kat Dingham's character confirms, they, they they recast Peter. What's what's going on? The rest of the world knows this isn't the Quicksilver we should know. This becomes now, is this another dimension as we know it? Like, So th- I think it's been kind of accepted. The The main Earth from the comic book series, Earth 616, is, is kind of a muddled storyline of what we get in the cinematic universe. Are we going to start defining that line? Are we going to start seeing the distinct dimensions and the distinct worlds uh, we've, we've acknowledged the the x-men 
should exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but we've never seen them. Are the X-Men movies that we've seen in the past an entirely different dimension where those were the most famous powerful mutants? That, yeah, sure, Spider-Man exists. Yeah, sure, the Fantastic Four exists, but it's the X-Men that every, the, those are the big famous ones. You, you get what I'm getting at? I tell you what you're saying, but if there's any other people out there that are like, whoa, I don't know. Because me, I don't know it that deep. I can't connect X, Y, Z to this universe, to that movie. <laughs> I watch them for pure cinematic value. This is what it is. This is hero action movie. Let's go along for the ride. Um, but Dennis is over here analyzing, connecting the world's to putting this like chart together of like, well, if he showed up here, then that means he probably showed up during this timeline. And then let's get Dr. Strange involved. He can manipulate anything. And then this could be, and I'm like, Oh my God. You know, we're building that for that Dr. Strange though. I think that's what, and that's what this does though. I think this leans further into that world. We are, we're really solidifying what we're going to be able to do. And that is honestly what excites me even further because that just means we might see some really cool shit. In the next Doctor Strange movie, I am so excited for that thing. And, and the sad part is, I, I'm afraid I'm just hyping it up for myself. But exactly. I guess Don't we'll have all expectations. see. Well, it's well, I'll just have to see. Um, but solid episode, solid, solid, solid episode. Oh yeah, I'm way more excited now. The first couple of weeks were a little rough. Going. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll watch this. It's <laughs> but no, like, we're, okay, it's okay. feeling like a um, MCU movie now. Like we're it's it, it, we're now matching the tone of what a movie should feel like to me. Right. Uh, and I feel like we're not alone. There's dogs. a lot of people who are starting the series or are hesitant to start the series based off those first couple episodes and what they're seeing of like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. And this is not like we all expected Mandalorian. We're going to jump right into this world extension of a world we already know. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. So it kind of turned me off because I was expecting that. But then that's our expectations. You know, we're on worst enemy. But at the same time, Dennis mentioned that the showrunners had been quoted saying we thought the audience was smarter than that that you would catch on and first of all <laughs> offended by that shame on you it's your fault that the audience was so lost because you didn't communicate your messaging properly that we all should be on the same page yeah i get it one or two people are like i don't know and everybody else is like wow you didn't get that but when it's the it general clearly, population yeah. saying i don't get what you're trying to show me or tell me with the first couple episodes i feel like you burned the first two or three almost Definitely. and then now i'm upset because you shortchanged me that could have been really now good. just to play devil's advocate there are there were a few people that were hooked right off the bat and i'm curious and we're gonna need you folks to come hit us up online so what was it that you saw in those first two episodes that hooked you so hard that that we didn't i, I don't know i'm grasping at straws i'm just curious what it is you people think because exactly. I did not see it, but I didn't either. But I think we're all there now. I think everyone's now we're all on the same page. Yeah, and I love television. I love sick. I'm loving the nods to like the growing pains and all of those shows. The show and the wardrobe changes, the 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 hairstyles and the story, everything and the writing. Because to me, it's it's low hanging fruit. It's very sitcom 101. But we hit them all. Joke set up joke, and it's very easy. I think that's why also I'm like there wasn't even clever writing involved I'm like this is what is sitcom from this time period would be well like. because the clever the cleverness is is in the other side of the story where if anything i think the fact that it's such low-hanging fruit is highlighting the fact that wanda is not that creative when building this no, world she she's literally copying things she's seen on television <laughs> which i'm like okay which is funny that's what i like about it yeah that's but what... show me more of the other side we but we are now we're getting Finally. there now 
We're, now I'm we're just getting saying it totally at the beginning. Enough. Yeah, of course, of course. But we've we've beat that horse to death a few times. I think we we've. I'm over it now. I'm just yeah, because we're there. We're there. We're good. We're we've, we're we're happy now. Well, that was that was fun. I'm I'm really happy you were able to record this one with me. That was that was a lot of fun. I hope we can. Uh, did did you enjoy it? Did I you, did. It's very different um, being a part of it versus <laughs> just hearing it and hearing you prep for it and get ready and watching the movies with you per se. And we have our own little discussion at the end, typically. That's true. But I'm not really analyzing everything. Thing. So it's kind of yeah, you're analyzing different things because yeah, there have been plenty of times where, and I've mentioned on the show before when you've said stuff to me that's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see it from that perspective, and that's why, that's why we get along so well. <laughs> no, that was that was a lot of fun. I I would love to have you join Adam and I both sometime. Definitely, I would love to talk about my favorite movies, and I'm all about those '80s '90s comedy throwbacks. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. Now that'll be fun. Definitely have to give you on a toasty talk sometime. For yeah, sure, that will will it'll hit you with some of the rapid fire questions. Uh, but before we're out, I just got to drop in here again, folks, filmmakers specifically among our audience members, and those of you who have friends who are filmmakers, please, please come check out our film freeway. We've got the first movie toast, the festival coming at the end of the year. Uh, we've we've been getting your submissions. Already really pumped to start watching uh, your stuff. We still have plenty of time left. We're still in the early phases. Uh, get your films in. It still should only be $10 for your submission. Um, this is a short film festival. Although we have some specific genres, we'll take everything. We want to see what you're most proud of. Give, give us your short. Um, very, very excited to, to see what you folks got. So get them submissions in. Filmfreeway.com. And... For everything else, you just want to chat with us or you want to check out old episodes, hit us up some of our polls and such. That is movie underscore toast over at Instagram. We're on, uh, we got a subreddit by the same title. Facebook is uh, Movie Toast News and Reviews and as well as YouTube. And then we have a budding TikTok that's, eh, we're, we're getting there. I'm trying to, my wife's getting Getting on me about it. I'm Got trying. I'm a ring light, guys. That's how deep it is over here. We're yeah. trying to get him into TikTok land. I myself, I'm a social media consultant. <laughs> um, and he doesn't like what I have to hear about what you got to do to succeed on these platforms. But he's trying. So go give Adam and Dennis some love over there. So, yeah, that's that was a that was a fun episode 72. Well, all right, folks. I'm, I'm glad you joined us. It's a, It was a slightly smaller episode, but it was still a fun one. Something a little different for you. Get the tight and toasty for you. Titan Toasty. I like that. Titan Toasty. There's an episode title. All right, folks. As always, please stay toasty. Thank you, my wife, for, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Next time I'll be... I don't know. Don't use any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where I was going with that. Oh, it's okay. That'll be that'll be a good a good finisher. It'll be a good closing credit one.